Well, good morning, church family, and uh, if this is your first Sunday here at Windsor Road, I just want to extend you a warm welcome. My name is Randy, and I'm privileged to serve as the lead minister here at the church, and um, uh, we're in a series of messages called the Beatitudes, and we're just walking in this season of Lent. Lent, it's a word that means spring. hope you were able to get out uh, yesterday and enjoy some of that. And I uh, was able to get out myself and get on a bicycle and uh, uh, just uh, had a beautiful afternoon yesterday. But uh, Lent uh, means spring, and it's just a time of uh, awaiting what Advent is to uh, Christmas, Lent is to Easter. And so in this Lenten series, we are looking at the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes, that section of Scripture that is the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, we're going to look at the third beatitude, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And I'd like for us to just uh, recite it together on three. One, two, three. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Again, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is God's word. Amen. Blessed are the meek. That's a church word, isn't it? I mean, we would expect to hear a word like meek in a place like this from a guy like me. Meek, church. Uh, probably don't hear that too much outside a church community, right? I mean, think about it for a minute. How many of you have ever prepared a resume for a job, and on that resume, to describe yourself, you use the word meek. That's what I thought. Okay? Yeah. And we all know why. Meek is an interview killer. You walk into an interview, and you tell a prospective employer that you are meek, and they'll say, we'll get back to you. Because who hires meek? Meek is not for hire. When we're shopping for lawyers or realtors or linebackers or traders or brokers or athletic directors or inner city school teachers or sales executives or presidents, we want tigers and sharks and bulldogs and piranha. And we may even settle for a few vipers and vultures. But meek, are you kidding me? Can you imagine marketing for the military using the word meek, the Marines, the few, the meek. Mm. Or how about army meek? Nah, that didn't do much for me. Or, okay, Navy, a global force for meek. Uh-uh. Oh, and let's not forget the Air Force. Aim high, fly, fight, be meek. Nah. Meek is not for hire. Meek is not for hire. And I'll tell you, meek doesn't even make it in my line of work. I'm serious. We've looked at lots of resumes for lots of positions over the years here at Windsor Road. I've never, ever read a resume of an applicant, a ministry resume, using the word meek. 
If someone did, I'd look at it. I'd say, thank you. See you in heaven. I mean, it's just not going to happen, right? You know, because meek is not for hire. And yet, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, that the meek will one day possess the earth. The meek will acquire the earth. Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. How is that possible? Uh, the meek can't even make it through rush hour. How are they going to inherit the earth? Maybe Matthew misunderstood Jesus. You know, maybe, maybe Jesus really said, blessed are those who seek. Or blessed are those who are at their peak. Right? I mean, because, you know, who hears everything in a sermon, right? Except for you all. No, there's no misunderstanding. Now, this word shows up not only in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, but it also shows up in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus himself. It's one of the few times that he described himself and using words as a self-description, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. That's the word meek. Same word. And lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Also shows up in Matthew 21, 5, the triumphal entry. Say to the daughter of Zion, that's Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, humble. That's the word meek, same word. Same word as Matthew 5, 5. And mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. No, Matthew got it right. There's no confusion. The, the confusion, frankly, is... Uh, how 21st century Americans have kind of um, redefined meek. Most Americans assume that meekness is weakness. And that's just not so biblically. It's not. At, at best, we are confused about the meaning of meek. So, for instance, if you look at Webster's Dictionary, you'll see that the word meek has two Polar opposite definitions. One says enduring injury with patience and without resentment. And then the other following it says deficient in spirit and courage. So which is it? It's confusing. How are we to understand the word meek? Well, we need to look elsewhere than Webster's Dictionary. The best resource, the best commentary to define and explain and expound on the word meek is the commentary that you're holding in your hand. So turn to Psalm 37, if you will. The Old Testament book of Psalms. And just look up Psalm 37. It's on page 466 of your church Bibles. Jesus takes the beatitude in Matthew 5.5 from Psalm 37, from another King, King David. And there's a backstory. While you're turning there, let me catch you up on the backstory of Psalm 37. And, and it's this God's enemies were oppressing God's people, and the in crowd was oppressing the out crowd. And so that tells you a little bit about something 
concerning meekness. Meekness is primarily about one's social position in the eyes of the world. Yes, yes, meekness is an attitude of the heart, but foremost, it concerns your life condition. So in the Bible, the meek are the afflicted, the lowborn, the abused, and in Psalm 37, God's people are wondering, you know, Lord, when are you going to come through? How long are we going to be abused? How long are we going to be afflicted? Why is it that so many people who don't love you or love others, why do they get all the goods? So you can hear, like, so does it pay to serve God? You know, why is it that people who ignore God or deny God, you know, clean up when it comes to prosperity and security? And you can almost hear the next question. When is my ship going to come in? When's my ship going to come in? That's what's going on in David's world. A thousand years before Christ. David lived in a world where the godless prospered and the godly suffered. That was his world. Is our world that different? Now, Psalm 37, verses 9 through 11, really summarize the entire chapter. So let's just pay attention to those specific verses. It says, For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. And here it is. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Psalm 37, 11. Jesus draws right from that verse when he gives us Matthew 5, 5. And the point is that there's nothing spineless about meekness. In fact, as you look at Psalm 37, you can see very action-oriented words. Verse 1, fret not. Verse 3, trust. Verse 4, delight. Verse 5, commit your way. Verse 5, trust in him and he will act. Verse 7, be still. Verse 8, refrain from anger, forsake wrath. Verse 34, wait for the Lord. Keep his way. Just hang on. Just hang on. In a little while. In a little while. What is your life, James says in the New Testament? Just a mist. Just a vapor. In just a little while, verse 37, mark the blameless and behold the upright. In other words, pay attention. Don't you see? There's nothing timid or spineless. Rather than boneless, timid behavior, meekness locks eyes on injustice and oppression. And from the strength God gives, verse 39, God is their stronghold in a time of trouble. The meek refuse to budge. The meek choose the path of triumphant patience. Therefore, meekness is triumphant royal patience in the face of brute rage. Triumphant royal patience in the face of brute rage. Meekness is the staunch refusal to either lay down in cowardly submission or rise up in angry violence. I'm thinking about Congressman 
John Lewis from Georgia, who has been active in the civil rights movement. He was once beaten mercilessly by the state police while leading a crowd of 600 in a nonviolent protest. And he suffered a fractured skull. And this is what he had to say. He said that when he was arrested and fingerprinted, he did not feel small. He said, I quote, I felt empowered. I never had that much dignity. It was exhilarating. Oh. Meekness. Meekness. Meekness is dignified wildness. That's meekness. Meekness is this wild animal with dignity. This, this wild, wild that has been dignified and disciplined by the hand of the king, King Jesus. So meekness is ferocious strength beneath the hand of Christ. Meekness is mighty strength under the influence of Christ's steady hand. Meekness is fierceness in submission to Christ. Meekness is dignified wildness. And so before it's anything else, meekness is about God and me. It's about my relationship with God, my walk with God. It's vertical. A.W. Tozier has written an excellent book called The Pursuit of God. And this is what he has to say about meekness. Really important. The meek person is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God has declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God more important than angels. He knows well that the world will never see him as God sees him. And he has stopped caring. So meekness says that I'm, I'm more evil than I could ever imagine and I'm more cherished by God than I could ever dream. Which makes meekness a blessing. <laughs> meekness is the blessing of believing all that God says about me. And so in Him, I see myself accurately Truthfully and honestly, meekness. Sometimes we can figure out what meekness is by seeing what it's not. And so I'm thinking of King Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire. In the book of Daniel, do you remember? When uh, that afternoon, just before he went insane, he stood on the porch and looked out over his beautiful city and said this in Daniel 4.30, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Now that's not meek. Right? The meekness 
is the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of my own self-importance. That's meekness. And so here's a meekness test. Take this test. Here's my test. I'm driving home. And it's after a day of work and thinking about what's to come. And so uh, all of a sudden, oh, I, I forgot to take the garbage container out to the curb this morning. Oh, oh I'm so forgetful. Oh, I'm just not paying attention. Oh, I'm, I'm slipping. And, and I scold myself. And, and I'm grateful that it's only an eight-minute drive home, you know. And, uh, but I'm just, <sighs> now it's going to be another week before they come. And it's just, <sighs> man, uh, I get home. And my beautiful wife says to me, honey, the garbage bin wasn't taken out this morning. It appears as if you forgot. It appears as if you're not paying attention. It appears as if you're slipping. Honey. Now, in this very hypothetical situation for teaching purposes, <laughs> so what happens next? I'll tell you what happens next. My inner lawyer rises to my defense. How could you say this? What? How, and you've never forgotten. You've never forgotten anything ever. Or you've never not paid attention ever. Or, 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 or you've never not felt like you're slipping ever. Period. Ever. And then I say this. I say, don't, how could you say this? I mean, don't you know who I am? Now, let me think about this. Five minutes earlier... I was acknowledging the very same thing about myself. The very same thing. Uh, but to have someone else tell me, well, well, oh, I can't believe this. Now, church, that may be a lot of things, like touchy or thin-skinned or hypersensitive or immature. But it's not meek. It's not meek. See, see meek would simply say, you know what, you're right. I do feel like I'm slipping, and uh, true story, and I have room for growth. And the point is, is that when meekness takes over my life, I don't have to get defensive about a garbage bin or anything else. And I don't have to, I don't have to be right, I don't have to win the discussion. And I don't have to be first for myself. I can display dignified wildness, meekness. Now that sure seems like a tall order. How, how does this, how do I become meek? How do we become meek? Well, that's question number two here. Um, we don't become meek by striving to become meek. All right? I mean, Jesus never gave us the Beatitudes as an updated version of the Ten Commandments. 
And we need to stop reading the Beatitudes in that way. The last thing we need is another to-do list or a list of rules to keep. Meekness, rather, is a loving gift from King Jesus to his followers, to those who have crucified themselves and their morality, and instead they seek him first. You see, there's a logic to the Beatitudes. The meek are first poor in spirit who have then mourned their spiritual impoverishment. And whatever they receive comes from God's mercy, not their moral effort. So the meek will inherit the earth because they know who owns the earth. They know who's in charge of the earth. And they know they cannot have the earth in any other way. You cannot work for what Only God can give. The meek inherit the earth because they have sought refuge in the earth maker. That's why we see in Psalm 37, verses 39 and 40, He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. So meekness is about where you find your refuge. Whether you are meek or not depends on where you seek your security, where you seek your safety. And that's why later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. Don't worry about clothes or food. The birds don't. The flowers don't. You're more valuable than them. Your heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask. You simply seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you, including this blessing, this favor of meekness. And you build your house upon that rock. And so you see, meekness is about seeking safety and security and refuge in Christ. Meekness is not weakness. It's about safety. And when meekness is lacking, it means we've been seeking safety in something or someone other than Christ. And so here's meekness test number two. Fill in the blank. I feel safe only when I... And what is that for you? I feel safe when I can be in control. I feel safe when I am loved by others. I feel safe when I have a particular look in terms of my appearance. I feel safe when my children or family are happy with me. I feel safe when I have money and possessions. I feel safe when I consume certain substances. I feel safe when I eat. I feel safe when my professional group lets me in their circle. And for this preacher, you know, I feel safe when I feel like I've preached a killer message. Wow, really? All of those safe houses are made of straw, every one of them, and there's a better source of safety. In Christ, in Christ. So, church family, I've, uh, I've, been, I've been living in 
um, some verses here of late. And I just offer them to you as a safe house, a secure safe house. It's, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Um, this is from the Apostle Paul. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ. So that's my identity. That's who I am. Stewards, that means trustees or managers of that which belongs to another, namely Jesus. Stewards of the mysteries of God. That's the gospel. That's the Christian faith. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So we, you know, we have a job to do and we need to do it well. and We need to be faithful at that. And then Paul says this, this, is, this, here it is. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. Now just sit in that for just a minute. It's a very small thing that I should be judged by you. I, I, I just want us all to grow in that. Or by any human court. So, it's, so I'm not going to, I am not going to, Purchase the safe house of others' approval. Okay? Because that's straw. In fact, here's what Paul says. I don't even judge myself. I don't even judge myself. Verse 4 says, I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. So, you know, I... I don't think I'm guilty of anything, but that doesn't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. It's the Lord. He's the safe house. I'm not, I'm not going not gonna to enter the safe house of others' opinions. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to enter the safe house of what I think about myself. Right? What matters most is the Lord. And, and you know what? We already know what he thinks of us. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 1 when he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to tell us how God the Father has blessed us. He's predestined us. He's adopted us. He has sent His Son to redeem us and to offer the forgiveness of sins. And then He sent the Holy Spirit to, uh, as the seal of our salvation. My goodness, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We, what a safe house. That's the safe house where we need to dwell. And if we will dwell in that safe house, then, then we will be healthy. Meekness, that is the fertile ground where meekness grows. And that's what needs to be fed into our minds over and over and over again. The meek know that while on the one hand they are great sinners, on the other hand they are loved by an even greater God, and thus the meek possess boldness mixed with humility, dignified wildness. And so the meek are willing to take on any opposition for the sake of God or others, while at the same time being equally willing to put up with any insult or indignity aimed at themselves. And they do so because they have committed their cause to Christ. This is the real secret of meekness. If we are meek, we're not going to care about what others think about us, and we don't even care about what we think about ourselves. We only care what God 
thinks of us. And that's why I have said over the years, and I'll just say it again, you are the most influential person in your life because you talk to yourself more than anybody else talks to yourself. You're talking to yourself right now. I know. I'm talking to myself while I'm talking to you. Wow. So what, the question is, what are you saying to yourself? Are you saying this to you? Are you saying Ephesians 1 to yourself? Are you preaching the gospel to yourself? See, see, we need, we need to listen to ourselves less so that we can talk to ourselves more. And the message needs to be grounded in the safe house of God's view of us, which is this, Randy, you are a sinner. Randy, I love you. Come here. See, that's gospel. And that is why David says in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. There is a king who has found God to be his safe house, his refuge, his security. And so, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Because when your life, when your mind, when your heart delights in God, He so transforms every part of your life and heart that you just desire Him and want Him. And then He gives you those desires and it's a beautiful gospel cycle that flourishes this this. This, this forest of meekness or the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians. I want that, don't you? But it's not going to happen by more self-will. See, that's part of the problem. We've already tried to run our lives on our own willpower, and it's left us broken and empty. So, so in Celebrate Recovery, here is how we would put it. We become meek by consciously choosing to commit all our life and will to Christ's care and control. The meek have exchanged willpower for the willingness to accept God's power to run their life. And why? Because the only rightful heir to the earth is the earth maker. Who earned this for us by emptying himself and setting aside his rights. He who was misunderstood by the masses, who was disowned by his family, who was demonized by his religious leaders, betrayed by his own, abandoned and belittled, mocked mercilessly by ignorant soldiers, insulted by a crucified criminal, he was put to death in the body but made alive by the Spirit. And why? For love. He loved, John says in John 13, Jesus loved his own in the world and loved them to the end. And he expressed this love because John 13 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going back to God. So you see, he could afford 
to give. The one who said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, that's meek, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So meekness is not something we do. It comes to us when we stop doing and cease doing and rest in the one who did for us what we could never do. Jesus. So now what? What does this meekness look like in real life? Well, uh, some of you went to Taylor University in college. Taylor University is a Christian college in Indiana. And um, years ago, before it was common for international students to come to the U.S. for higher education, um, an international student came to Taylor University African student named Sam enrolled at Taylor. Sam, bright young man, great promise. School was thrilled to have him on their campus. And when he came to campus, the president of the university took him on a tour, showing him all the dorms. And afterwards, the president asked Sam where he would like to live. And Sam said this to the president. He said, well, if there is a room that no one wants give that room to me. And the president had to turn his face away in tears because over the years he had welcomed thousands of Christian men and women to the campus and none of them had ever made that kind of a request. If there is a room that no one wants, give that room to me. That's meekness. If there's a job that no one wants to do, I'll do that job. If there's someone at work or school that no one wants to eat lunch with, I'll eat with that person. Uh, if there's a piece of food that's just kind of burnt, I'll, I'll take it. If there's a parking space that's far away from the church, I'll, I'll go ahead and park in that place. If there's a service time that's less convenient for people, I'll go ahead and worship at that service. If, if there's a hardship that someone has to endure, I'll take that hardship. If there's a sacrifice that needs to be made, I'll make it. That's meekness. Now, what would it look like for a thousand Christ followers to fan out across East Central Illinois starting now and live this way? A thousand Christ followers who are so secure about their future inheritance in the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus isn't talking about clouds and ethereal, mystical, foggy type of existence. We're talking about earth. We're talking about stuff. We're talking about the new heavens and the new earth. 
restored and redeemed by our king, what if a thousand of us were so secure about that future inheritance, fully confident that the new heavens and the new earth would be theirs because the king said so, and that he has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation by his death, burial, and resurrection, so that whether we live or die, we are with him. What would that be like? I tell you, those thousand people would be the freest people on the face of the earth. They would be free to serve, free to love, free to give without expectation because they know, they know that whatever, the best is yet to come. They know that because of their king, they will inherit the earth and so that they can enjoy heaven now through this beautiful gift of meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Amen.